Shocktober continues with Dario Argento's Dracula. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. Hey, Stuart Wellington <laughs> and Daniel McCoy. My name is Elliot Kalen. Threw a little joke in there because it's Shocktober. Doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. You're throwing a joke I'm in. far away. Number one, you're throwing in a joke because it's Shocktober. <laughs> Normally we are dead serious. Yeah, this is a very sober-minded podcast. But number two, town. Town is the spookiest <laughs> thing. Maybe it's a haunted a, ghost town. It's where crimes happen. This town. It's coming like a ghost town. Specials, everybody. Classic. Classic song. You lost me a long time ago. <laughs> uh, did I ever have you, Elliot? No. Did I ever really Well, have there's only you? one way to find out. Let me go, and we'll see if I come back. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I'm not. See you guys later. <laughs> oh, wait, but... Go, wait, what if I... Foley effects, Foley effects. <laughs> distance, distance. What if I stand outside your room with a boombox? With a boombox? With a boombox. <laughs> what is that? A, bum a box. box full of bums. <laughs> what if I stand outside your room with a... With a, with a with a DVD copy of La Mumba. That's weird. Usually if I thought Dan would be holding something called a bum box, mm-hmm. I thought it would be butt related. No, nope, nope. this time it was bums. But the bums have butts. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Sexy bums. Oh, nice. They sexy were thrown bums. out to the curb. It's a costume you don't see too often at Halloween. <laughs> yeah. The sexy a lady, bum. A lady who's like, you know, like stippled on a little, some, uh, some five o'clock shadow and has a cigar. She's, wearing, she's wearing a bikini made out of handkerchiefs, a top hat with the top popped off, and a bindle. <laughs> she's wearing a barrel and nothing else. <laughs> sexy bum. <laughs> but the Sounds like a sexy, sexy barrel costume yeah. to me. I mean, sexy barrel. <laughs> she's eating. I'm going as a sexy barrel. <laughs> Real, this, this sexy costume thing is going too far. She's dripping those baked beans all the way down. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, yeah. baked a, beans come in a barrel? Is that an innuendo? Is that how they... Because <laughs> that, that is maybe the least <laughs> arousing those baked sex beans talk. go all the way up. <laughs> To her <laughs> okay, let's stop right there, rewind, erase this from human history. Dan, what is this thing that people are forcing their ears to, to be tortured Certainly by? not a food podcast. Okay, well, this no, is a podcast. This is some kind of sexy baked bean podcast. As we said, it's called The Flop House. We watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And right now we're uh, knee-deep in Shocktober, where we watch horror movies, movies about horror. Horrifying things. Horrible things, yep. <laughs> yep, terrible. Horrible bosses. <laughs> nope, we didn't watch that. <laughs> it's Bosstober. The month we watch movies about bosses. Bruce Springsteen. Boss Hog. <laughs> yep. Uh, things that are Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Yep. All of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Boss Man, my favorite wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wasn't we, he a police officer? I don't, I don't really remember. You're thinking of... Uh, Please, so uh, wrestle guy. <laughs> sure, the Fundertaker. Nope. Okay. <laughs> it's the Fun Undertaker. Is that the Undertaker when he does kids parties? That's when he, that's when he joined uh, NWO. <laughs> 
NWA, wow. I know, what a crossover event. Yeah, the uh, wrestling rap crossover of the century. <laughs> um, this is How are we going to top the rap rock crossover of Walk This Way? Uh, we'll get a wrestler. <laughs> One known for not talking <laughs> and choke slamming people. Yeah. They're trying to one-up the uh, wrestling uh, 80s lady pop uh, music uh, of Captain Lou Albano uh, hanging out with Cyndi Lauper. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Is, you know, what that, a weird uh, team that <laughs> joke took a little while, but it was worth it. Let me, I'll remind you that Paul Abdul had sex with a cartoon cat. <laughs> That's true. Wait a minute. Well, we didn't see the sex. It was the subtext of the know whole thing. That that was... I guess they had a lot of chemistry, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of chemistry, <laughs> well, let's see how this speaking of chemistry is the segue for a Dracula movie, Stuart. Uh, so we watched Dracula 3D. Speaking of chemistry, you know what doesn't follow the rules of science? <laughs> Vampires. We did, well, we watched a movie called Dario Argento's Dracula. 3D. Which was released as Dracula 3D, but we watched it in its 2D form. Although, as I've corrected in the past, it is a 3D movie in that it involves the dimension of time. Uh, the third dimension. 3D movies are, in fact, 4D. 110 minutes of time, in fact. Readers, if you want to wedgie Elliot, send your hands through the mail <laughs> to his butt crack. Sounds like, sounds like a Freddy attack. Yeah, please don't send your severed hands to Elliot's butt crack care of Elliot. I would appreciate it if you didn't do that. Also, Dan... Do you know how wedgies are given? Don't you don't know. grab someone's butt crack. <laughs> I'm wedging you, grab, you, darling. You, you grab the butt crack and you slam the two sides of the butt together. No. And you go, wait a minute. Dan, how do you do that from inside the butt crack? Dan, you go, slappity slap. Dan, I think I'm finally understanding why you went to juvie when you were 14. Well, we saw this movie, Dario Argento's Dracula. And now Dario Argento... None of us, I think, are particular fans of his, no, but I, no, you know, reputation. If I recall, Stuart once threatened to fight him on this I, podcast. I very drunkenly threatened to, I think, punch him or get in a fist fight. And so He's I an thought this man, was a chance. Stuart. Yeah, I mean, Come on. I would totally win, I guess. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. This no. was his chance. This was, I was like, so I, was, all, I was about to go to him hat in hand, <laughs> ready to eat that hat in front of him. And your own hand. <laughs> Possibly. But the so you you ready to turn around and say Dario Argento put your hand in my butt crack and wedgie me because I was wrong and you know what the Goblins is the best band ever. Just I mean Goblin. I will say Goblin. Goblin. Goblin is the bit thing Goblin. I like the most about Dario Argento. But here's the thing about Dario Argento I'm I don't not like a fan his, of movies, his movies, but he has a clear knack for vivid imagery mm -hmm. and for the use of music. And I'll tell you two things that were missing from this movie. Vivid imagery <laughs> and any but the cheapest sounding music. Well, there's a lot of theremin in this. Yeah, because when we think theremin, think we think Dracula. vampires. Yeah, nothing, nothing like uh, a real '50s sci-fi Dracula. Theremin works for two things: <laughs> ghosts and aliens. Ghosts and goblins. Now, unless you're making that a movie game about is super hard, by yeah. the way. Unless you're making a movie about a ghost alien vampire, in which case I say, sell me a ticket right now because <laughs> okay. I want to see it. You can't don't use the theremin. I think there was a I think there was like an old Buck Rogers episode about like a space vampire. And I mean, there's been kind movies of like, about there space were probably vampires. ghosts. Yeah. In there's that, that Mario there's Bava a movie, Planet of the Vampires. Yeah, and I think also, there was this Choose Your Own Adventure book I read one time. Like yeah, that yeah. Too. And there's uh, Ghosts of Mars is ghosts in mm -hmm. space. You know, mm -hmm. ghost aliens. Event Horizon and movie, probably the had astronaut and uh, and uh, Bitey in space. <laughs> Bitey in space. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is the vampire's name's Bitey? Is he not even Count Bitey? <laughs> is he a little kid, no, or like a dog vampire? He's not 
you know, there's he's got he's not of the of the what do you call it? The nobility. The nobility. The yeah, sure, yeah. No, not an this is your pen cockney peasant vampire <laughs> in space. Yeah. Hello, hello. It's me, Bitey. Welcome, a Jupiter. How do you do? Shine your shoes, Governor. Bite your neck. <laughs> It's well, me, my, Bitey. Bite your my, neck, Michael Caine and Bitey, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Don't let him bite your neck. Come on. That's a good price for neck biting. <laughs> Tuppence. <laughs> well, well. Tuppence to bite your neck, If it sir. isn't the queen of space, <laughs> ma'am, a pleasure to bite you. <laughs> it's me, Daniel Craig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good work. Uh, Clive Owen. You joined right in. Stuart, are you okay? <laughs> you joined right in. Now, okay, so we don't like Dario Argento, but we're really going to give him a shot. His movies, I'm not a huge fan, but every one I've seen has at least a moment where I'm like, oh, that's an interesting moment or mm-hmm. image or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, and I'll, I will say this about, I mean, you know, everyone He co-wrote loves, Once Upon a Time in the West. Give him some credit for that. Everyone loves Suspiria. I don't like Suspiria just because I... What I like out of a horror movie is usually having a very clear sense of the rules of the world. To me, that makes it scarier because I know what like the confines are. Like Suspiria is just a bunch of like crazy shit that I goes mean, I'm on. I'm fine with it. It's so dreamlike though, dude. Shit. Yeah, come on. I, I don't. I the don't scariest know. part of Houseu is when that watermelon starts laughing for no reason behind that guy. Yeah, I mean, I mm-hmm. guess there's like to me, there's a difference between a dreamlike sort of off-putting like weirdness that you get out of a David Lynch. And the sense that, like... You get out of him how? Like, you... <laughs> you squeeze like, it out of him. <laughs> like a lemon. <laughs> but, like... For lynch and aid. I don't know. Like, the the uh, Italian horror just seems to be sort of shoddily put together. Like, they're not interested in anything other than, like, the crazy image. That being said, there are a lot of great crazy images in something like Suspiria. Yeah. And uh, I enjoy the vividness of that. None of that is here. And look, Showtime has labeled the man a master of horror, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How that, do we fight against that? That holds up in a court of law. <laughs> Mick Garris, everyone's favorite master of horror. Well, and you speak of vividness. Well, Stephen King's favorite. Yeah. And you're talking about vividness, and this this movie clearly has relative a relatively low budget. And these, oh yeah, and these high definition cameras do it no justice. No, it everything looks super cheap, super fake, but also. Uh, just something you point out we were watching it, Stuart, is like you light a low-budget movie with shadow to like kind of hide those flaws, but also like the cheapest – there are two cheap movie effects that will draw viewers in. Boobs. Yep. The cheapest effect. Mm-hmm. And shadows. All you need to do is not light something or light something in the right way, and it instantly looks more beautiful or more dramatic or scarier. And instead, this is the best – most like floodlit, evenly lit Dracula movie I've ever seen. Sure. Yeah. Well, speaking. It of... It was like they made a Dracula movie in a supermarket. That's how well lit <laughs> the crypts and caves of this movie are. Speaking of boobs, like this movie resembles <laughs> nothing more than a softcore porn film, like in its even lighting and its digital uh, cinematography and bad acting. Everything's wooden, yeah. but well... and yet there's a surprisingly small amount of nudity in it. Well, uh, small. I mean, compared to your average modern film, there's I mean, com- a ton of compared nudity to a softcore porn film, though. I mean, it's but it's sure. a movie that has it has enough nudity that you expect more, yeah. but not so much nudity, not so little nudity where you're like, oh, okay, this is a classy movie, but they made a choice to have nudity. It feels like an exploitation movie where they halfway through they were like, 
Right, the nudity. Well, we'll put it in later, and they forgot to put it back in. Also, the nudity dries up like about halfway through the movie. Which <laughs> Yeah, we thought there'd be a rich vein oh, of nudity. Oh. So we start panning for nudity, and yet it dried up. We no, gotta go mine it, somewhere else. It reminds it reminded me of You're gonna like, have to go west. Used to be a lot of nudity in this town, but the nudity dried up. Just a ghost town now. People picked up stakes. Used to be, you could go down the street and just pick up boobs from the ground. <laughs> it's a gusher. <laughs> no, but like, it reminds... your net in the lake, come up with, with butts. <laughs> Not anymore. We overfished the nudity. Nothing left. Now you gotta farm raise the nudity. No, but this reminds me... That's why here at the Nudity Conservation Corps, we're all about sustainable nudity. <laughs> We don't. We look for every nudity we pluck. We plant two more. This reminded me, though, of a rule that I, uh, you know, I discovered when I was a young man, okay. desperate to see naked ladies in the era in the era before the internet. That when you're looking in the TV guide, don't look for nudity. Look for sexual situations. Well, no, that's that's good. It's a good rule of thumb. I discovered that one, but also. My rule of thumb was basically if there's no nudity in the first 20 minutes of a movie, there's generally not going to be any nudity. Interesting. So that's like, McCoy's law. That's McCoy's law. <laughs> McCoy's law of film nudity. Write it down. Yep. 13-year-olds who, for some reason, don't have the internet. <laughs> but can still download a podcast. <laughs> but, yeah. So what, is it being mailed to them on a CD by their grandma? Yeah. It's on a CompuServe CD. <laughs> <laughs> have we even started talking about the movie yet? No, we have. Well, we started talking about Chief It Looks. Well, mean, here, let's just get we said who the director say, was. The this plot, is basically Dracula. It's well, it's called Dracula. It's so literally it's not, Dracula. It's not a big scoop. <laughs> not like, look, they just stole the story from Dracula, called it Dracula, and that is the end of it. It's a, it's yeah, a, rip the wool off of the eyes, you stupid sheep. <laughs> it's, it's this is wake up, sheeple. This Barack is Barack Hussein Obama <laughs> trying to sell this to you is not a Dracula movie. <laughs> By putting Dracula in the title. It's a double reverse psychology. Yep. It's, it's the prestige. Double reverse psychology? <laughs> yeah. The study of sinks? Yeah, psychology. It's the study of sinkholes. Ah, uh, I see. Anyway, what were you like saying this about tangent. this movie that we so, watched? We all know the plot we of Dracula. Time this is this movie. This, it, this is at times a fairly straightforward telling of the Dracula story, but then it's clear that they wanted to put more action in it and could not afford certain things. So, like, instead of... Harker going to Transylvania, mm-hmm. then Dracula coming to England. Everyone just goes to Transylvania. There's no English stuff. Uh, instead of like the three suitors who are all in love with Lucy and help Van Helsing track down Dracula, those guys don't exist. Uh, and there's, there's, it's just at times it's a very rushed through telling of Dracula, and at times it is a surprisingly slow moving embroidery of the story you have a lot of scenes that go nowhere for no reason mm-hmm. and only one of them is a lesbian sponge bath so that, I mean, there are only just, lesbian undertones there was no, yeah like, i mean it wasn't was no explicitly folk, like, lesbian. No sex broke out or okay anything. that's true but uh they were just but having it was a fun woman looking at vampires giving another woman a sponge bath but it's a pretty giving the daughter of the of the <laughs> director, director a sponge bath the uh this is not, and it's not the first time he's had his daughter take her clothes off no Asia argento is known for taking her clothes off in movies more so than i think Anything else? Wait, more so than her acting abilities, I, I, or that I she's wanna... the daughter of a famous director? <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like I'm like someone telling I'm telling Stuart that Santa Claus doesn't exist. <laughs> but, yes, R.C. Argento is mostly known for being naked in movies. Uh, but there's also 
it's there's a couple scenes where the movie is like, oh yeah, we should be totally crazy, mm-hmm. and gets nuts. And so it's this kind of bland, classic illustrated, low budget, are you afraid of the dark version of Dracula. But then there's suddenly a scene where Dracula is just ripping people's throats out and knocks a person's head off. Knocks punches <laughs> a person's head off and then has someone shoot themselves in the mouth with a like slow moving super bullet. Yep. And then yeah. later for well, some goes reason, the bullet time yeah, for like a brief time, <laughs> enough so you can like see the bullet go through his gaping open mouth, and then it goes back to normal time to explode out of the top of his and head. And then later in the best scene in the movie by far. Dracula takes the form of a giant praying mantis <laughs> to kill. Is it Lucy's dad or Mina's dad? Uh, I think it's Lucy's dad. Lucy's Kiss- dad. Mr. Kisslinger. Mr. Kisslinger. <laughs> Henry Kisslinger. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a but movie that begins I, I'm with like. I'm beginning to believe that my daughter has been bitten by a vampire. <laughs> Mr. President, we must, we must bomb Transylvania. <laughs> a lot of stuff happens in the fog of vampires. <laughs> but no, like, yeah, like, yeah, a big praying mantis hand goes through this guy. He, this guy is sitting outside of someone's door, I guess, guarding it in a cow, in a, in an ar- uh, armchair. He's falling asleep, and suddenly something scrambles up the stairs. It's an enormous praying mantis, which kills him, and then CGI just... CGI praying mantis. And then just leaves, right? Yeah. There's also, there's some well, really... Well, he's working there. So. <laughs> <laughs> there's some, I mean, if it was a real praying mantis, it would have sex with him and then bite his head off. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of really bad Which CGI is too bad they didn't include that in the movie. <laughs> yeah. They take advantage of Dracula being a shapeshifter, which he is. Oh, yeah. yeah. He turns Constantly into a wolf. He's a cloud of flies. He's a praying mantis. He's a cloud of smoke. Uh, and then, so he's I'm not. He's a shoe. He's a shoehorn. <laughs> he's a horn. He's a horn dog. He's a hot dog. He's a Trader Joe's. He's a DVD copy of Hots. <laughs> he's a Trader Joe's. Yeah. And he just eats people as they walk through the doors yeah. to find cheap wine. <laughs> the, he, here's the thing we don't have to go through the plot of Dracula, do we? Anyone, because no, I, mean, I want to no. say this. Jonathan Harker goes to Transylvania, et cetera. Anyone who, been anyone who is not familiar with the, with the plot of Dracula. Well, there's this great bit where Dracula's an owl and attacks a girl and yeah, he Yeah, he becomes from the Guardians of Gahul. <laughs> yep. Here's the thing. Except for in this movie, I guess Jonathan Harker does if you don't, If you haven't read Dracula. No, unless you count death and escape, which <laughs> yes, it is. the ultimate escape. <laughs> wow, this got dark. Parentheses, ultimate escape. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Jimmy Buffett talking about dying. It's the same song, but then you just hear a gunshot at the end, and the, and the singer's body falls. The, yeah, he realizes... Is the Pina oh, Colada song a Jimmy Buffett song? He realizes at the end, yeah. That, it's like it was written by Rupert Brooks, right? From uh, Rupert Brooks from uh, oh, Remember When? It's, it's Jimmy Buffett. Okay. I like the idea that at the end when they realize that it's a husband and wife who have like met up each that's the whole plot of the Yeah, they're, they're pretending they're pretending they're, pretending they're meeting for the first time to make it they're like looking they're like trying to find an escape from their boring married life and then they're like, Oh shit, it's it's you. My wife and husband. Oh, oh so you're so, saying what is one of them wearing a fake mustache, the other's wearing a wig? Yeah. How do they not recognize? No, but they're, like it's it's all about placing a personal ad and responding to a personal ad. Oh, see, I always thought it was like, an elaborate sex game where they pretended not to know each other. Yeah. Well, you're, you're yeah, it's like a red shoe King diary. Sort of a, I mean, it's a much more healthy relationship thing than <laughs> no, putting I'm out not, personal ads to I'm cheat not on your wife. Arguing that it's healthy, wife. like although at the end of the song they all laugh and they're like, ha, 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 and presumably their relationship is rekindled. But I like this version where the escape is death. They're like, <laughs> oh, I tried to have, I tried to have an affair, but I just ended up with you. So I guess we're just gonna. I guess it's the it's the, it's the pina colada feudal Japan version. Yeah. <laughs> 
I lo- do you like pina coladas and being reincarnated on the same petal of the lotus? <laughs> so I guess we're going to have to be love suicides on the bridge at Yokohama. <laughs> anyway, so if you don't know the story of Dracula, go read Dracula. It's mm-hmm. a great book. It's great. Yeah. It really holds up for an 1870s, 1880s. When was epistolary it? novel. <laughs> Not totally epistolary. I think it is. It's all. It, I mean, it's not just letters. It's diary entries. Yeah, I that's why I'm saying not yeah. really epistolary. But it's not. I mean, there's no like. There's no omniscient yeah, third narrator, person narrator. Yeah. But part of it is told through newspaper articles, right? When the ship washes up. Yes, that's true. The mm-hmm. ship full of dead men, mm-hmm. and a and a black dog is seen escaping from the. That would have been that great night. to have that in this movie. Yeah, it's a great scene, but Dracula doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. There's so no room for that. He couldn't have movie. like gone away on a like a cruise. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a carnival, like a cruise. Norwegian cruise line. Yeah, <laughs> like one of, if poop, they, one of those poop cruises. It's a poop cruise. <laughs> it's, it's it's a specialized cruise for people into poop. But now I imagine a Dracula going. If they could see me now, those friends of mine on a carnival cruise. <laughs> but he can only go one out at night. Carnival cruise. <laughs> one Two carnival one. One pool, two pools, ah, ah, ah. Shuffleboard. <laughs> you say it's a midnight buffet, I call it breakfast. Dracula. <laughs> Welcome aboard the SS Dracul. This it's e- my own cruise line. <laughs> this Eagles cover band, what beautiful music they make. <laughs> Gets up and does some karaoke, yeah. Welcome to the Hotel California. <laughs> One night in Bangkok makes... <laughs> That's what I assume Dracula sings. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Bunch of songs from chess. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Dracula. He, this, this movie takes a lot of liberties uh, as it goes towards the end as the hero of the Dracula story, Abraham Van Helsing, the yep. vampire hunter, mm-hmm. here played by Rutger Hauer at his sleepiest, appears, and Rutger Hauer <laughs> is a... Slowest. Like he, but I at, feel like he's taking five <laughs> seconds between every word. But at the same time, he is a one-man army corps. Yeah. He's oh, just man. taking out vampires left and right with his magic fists and knives. He's just... Mm-hmm. It, there is, it's like there was a, a clause, I think you said, Stuart and Rutger Hauer's contract, that was like, I have to kill all the vampires instantly. <laughs> I can never one be hit, in, in real one danger. One is it, yeah. Uh, Every vampire or goon who attacks him is immediately dispatched. Like, my favorite's when the one goon attacks him and he basically just <laughs> turns the guy onto a spike through the eye. <laughs> now, here's the thing also. Dracula seems to run the town. This is Transylvania, but it's a town with a population of about eight. And yeah. now, Dracula seems to run the town like... Ben Gazzara in Roadhouse. He's just like a local <laughs> crime lord. So there's a scene where the, the, his lieutenants get together and they're like, we got to stop listening to Dracula. And Dracula shows up and kills them all. Yeah. And it's like the most... First, like rent- yeah. First he shows up as a cloud of flies, which elicits no reaction from yeah, these guys. Yeah, they like stand around looking at him like, like oh, bunch of flies. Oh, they're turning into Dracula. Oh, hey, boss. <laughs> What's going we were just on? talking about you. <laughs> now, hey. I was never sure if they knew he was a vampire or not. I mean, he's something, right? He's a cloud of flies. I mean, before the cloud of flies scenario takes place. He's the lord of the flies. There's also a priest in... <laughs> I he guess knows, so. I guess kind sure. of like Satan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Uh, okay. Think about it? <laughs> about the book Lord of the Flies? Think about it it's a good book. I don't know yeah, why. It's pretty spooky. That's, yeah, a, that's an intense Golden. book. 
the end, the climax that where they're chasing him through the jungle, mm-hmm. and it only ends because that adult shows yeah, up and is like, "What the hell is going it's on?" It's descended into chaos. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's a real moral in that book. Yeah. Anyway, read so, Lord of the Flies, guys. <laughs> look, let's just recommend books the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Dracula's great. Lord of the Flies is great. You won't, mm-hmm. don't want a scary story? How about like uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah. I don't know. I'm reading uh, Three Musketeers right now. I never read the original. Great is stuff. That- is that based that on the time. candy bar? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you ate the bar. Now read the book. <laughs> I would say I'm reading a long time. I just haven't had a chance to finish this quickly. I feel like at least a year ago, we were on a train, and no. you were like, oh, yeah, I'm reading Three Musketeers. Yeah, I, was, I was reading Les Miserables at the time. Oh, okay. I'm getting my French books mixed yeah. up. Are you going to move on to Mounds next? Or payday. Almond Joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Now, back Twix. to the movie. <laughs> Twix is two stories in one. Yeah. It's a real he said, she said tale. It's a real Gone Girl. Anyway, so, actually, there you go. That'd be the tie-in. Twix, the Gone Girl of candy bars. <laughs> now, Dracula. Let's just say Van Helsing comes in. He is kicking ass and chewing bubblegum. There is we no would if they had invented it. There is no threat strong enough to stop this slow-moving elderly man. Uh, Dracula hypnotizes Mina Harker, and it's they steal from Bran, from Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula the idea that Dracula is drawn to Mina because she looks just like his lost love, which is not in the book, right? I don't remember I don't it being in the book. Think so. It's not in any of the other adaptations that I can remember. Yeah. Like the Bela Lugosi Dracula takes a lot of liberties because it's based on the stage play, which took a lot of liberties. Yeah, but there's nothing like it in that. Yeah, and, and we were or talking... the Terrence Fisher Dracula. During know. the movie, none of us are a fan of the Dracula as romantic hero <clears throat> lineage of the vampire story. I think, I, I think there's something in it if you don't lose sight of the fact... That he's evil? That he's evil. And what's seductive yeah. about him is a life without rules to follow. Like, the only rules are don't get in the sun and don't get a stake through your heart, but otherwise you are the... Ma- morals don't apply to you. God's law doesn't apply to you. There's, there's a romantic notion in that in the idea of the romantic movement, like romantic yeah. poets and things like that. There can be a, an appeal to him. Yes. And there's, but and there's that like should an, be the appeal but of he sin. Sh- he should not be a sympathetic lover. And there's right. like an Eastern European old world charm yes. to it as well. Yeah, very much so. There's this idea that he is, there's something intriguing about a man who comes from a different era, a different place where the savage bloodlust of men rises to the surface and people live, you know, in more terms of state of nature. You As know, opposed to like the button down industrial age. Exactly. Your Victorian, uh, mm-hmm. you know, prudish realm. Chimney sweeps and... <laughs> Your Mary Poppinses and so forth. <laughs> and men were men and women were brides of Dracula. <laughs> well, like three women, except in this movie it's just one because again, yeah. low budget. Yeah. Uh only one but heaving bosom. Three. Yeah, right, she's that. She's the plenty major source spare, from the nudity. Yeah. <laughs> for plenty to spare. There's enough boobs to go around. That was a. That's a great scene where she seduces uh, Jonathan Harker. Gets to- totes naked, starts biting him, and then Dracula <laughs> jumps in, and he's like, and then like, and then he like force pushes her across the room. It is the sitting stream version of a scene in the in the story, but like, no, it actually happens in the book. But yeah. but yeah, it is done. It's like they're gonna have a Jedi battle all of a sudden. Yeah, Dracula yeah, just bride. It's like yeah, just, which would have made this a more fun movie. Anyway, we get to the end. Mina is under a spell. <laughs> Dracula's totally gonna vampirize her, and. Uh, Van Helsing has made a some silver bullets that he's going to use to kill Dracula. This is the first time a vampire has gotten the jump on Van Helsing as yeah. Dracula punches him in the face he's over and over everybody. again. everybody. And this is one of the things where, that I don't like about a lot of vampire movies. Where Dracula, okay, he can shapeshift, he can bite people, he has claws, 
He's basically he's a monster, and yet whenever he fights the hero, it always turns into like fisticuffs. No, that like that. Yes, this is the most boring climax in the world. It is literally Dracula. I don't know. Last year at Marion Bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, all right. I think Le Clis is not exactly the most exciting film. For a movie about a vampire. Okay. Is, yes. For a is, Dracula movie. This is literally just Dracula punching an old man. <laughs> multiple While times. a woman watches. While a woman watches. And then eventually and slowly. Pulls a gun. Eventually, he's like, "Oh, there's a gun at my feet. I guess I'll shoot Dracula with it." <laughs> but yeah, like after, this is after urging Dracula, after, after urging Dracula to totally kill Van Helsing, and Dracula gets shot. And he's like, "You're sending me such mixed messages." <laughs> Do you think she was urging Dracula to attack Van Helsing because she knew that Van Helsing just roasts these wimps? <laughs> no, I think she was under his spell. Yeah, oh, okay. but but for Dracula, who earlier he liked, put a screaming Jay Hawkins spell on her. <laughs> earlier, this Dracula knocked a guy's head off. <laughs> Like Maybe Rucker Howard like Rucker. tied his head on or something. Now, yeah. speaking of that scene, it did my favorite thing, which is uh, he's about he's about to swing, and then it cuts to a shot of the guy screaming, going ah, and then it just cuts to a shot of Dracula swiping his head off. I'll tell you, and what, then it cuts to a shot of the head bouncing off the wall. What, now that's how you make a movie. One, one thing that never helps a scene is a close up of someone screaming, like. It's there's it, whether it's a comedy and like someone is go like falling down a like a like someone slide. I think this happens in the movie Deeds. He's like sliding down a banister and it cuts to his face going ah, and then it shows him hit a, a potted plant or something or a vase. It's like well, it's a lot less funny that you slowed things down to show him yelling in the middle. Yeah. To, if you're, someone's about to die and you cut to them going ah, and then cut back to them dying. Well, it's, I mean, yeah. it's in a in an Where's action shot. In it's what's unlike. supposed to be a serious action scene. It definitely makes it funnier. <laughs> it makes a comedy less funny and, an, and a horror movie more funny. It's unlike uh, slowing down a bullet so you see it through a guy's mouth before it blows now that his head was, off. That was scarifying. <laughs> now, here's the thing. There's nothing scary about this movie. Is that what you're going to say? Uh, this is the least scary vampire movie ever, and that includes Dracula Dead and Loving It. <laughs> vampire in Brooklyn. Vampire in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Transylvania 65000. Once, once Bitten. Once Bitten. What's that George Hamilton vampire movie? That's oh, Once shit. Bitten. Once Bitten? No, wait. No, no Once no, no, Bitten no. is the it's one with a, Jim Carrey. No, it's a... Uh, hold on. Oh, shit. Let's just call it Dracula the Gay Blade. <laughs> <laughs> what is it called? This movie is less scary than, like, the the uh, Megadeth song Prince of Darkness, which is a pretty goofy song. Yeah, like, yeah. It's the... Uh, it's it's not a scary movie, and I'll tell you it what. It is less scary than a box of Count Chocula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. Love pro- at first bite. Love, Love at first, first bite is the George Hamilton there, movie. There are probably kids who are a little scared to count. I'll tell you what. When I was a kid, I remember very okay. vividly, Child's Play came out on VHS, mm-hmm. and there was a big cardboard stand-up of Chucky in the local video store, Videotown, and... It scared the hell out of me. Yeah. I hadn't seen the movie, didn't know much about it. Just seeing this evil doll was so scary. And this movie, I feel like if that same kid had watched this movie, he'd be like, "What's? I don't understand. What's scary about this? Yeah. This is not as scary as a cardboard <clears throat> stand-up of a doll. I think if that kid watched this movie, he would just keep rewinding to the beginning. Uh, to see scenes. the boobs, yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, speaking of uh, that. Uh, what? We, there, uh, what, boobs, child's play? Yeah. I don't there know, was, video town? There was a really great sex there scene was no, early on that's yeah, well, super that's, well lit. That's what I was going to say. There was, no, there was no sex tarp in this movie, but they did put down a blanket. They did put down a cape In this like super well lit barn? They go yeah. into a barn that is lit about as well as your average family restaurant. 
Yeah. Every scene characters in this movie, every scene characters are bringing like like a candle into a room that's already super well lit. But it was like a seduction cinema vampire, sexy vampire, softcore cinematic. With a man making the longest thrusts I've ever (laughs) seen in a movie. He is an awesome dude, apparently. (laughs) This is and it's uh, too bad. He, of course, he has to die early on because he has already been blessed with what is, I'm assuming, an incredibly long penis. <laughs> it's, this is so long he needs to stand back a little. Exactly, it's less enjoyable for everybody. That's yeah. the thing. Now he, uh, this is the guy who, in the very beginning, he has sex with his girlfriend in a barn, and then says like, eh, "I'm leaving. You can walk home through the dark woods yourself. Just wear this cross; it'll protect you." And she goes, "You can take that." And she leaves, and then he hangs the cross up in a tree and goes home. Sure. Was that, was that the lady who gets killed by one of the owls of Ghoul? Yes, she's attacked <laughs> by an owl while Renfield watches. And or no, it's not Renfield. It's the guy it was, who looks like cross between J.K. Simmons and uh, Vincent, and Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio, Eastern European dub a little bit. <laughs> uh, and she becomes the she becomes the bride of Dracula. Yeah. But here's uh, uh, there's uh, let me mention one thing I wanted to before. There's a Renfield in this. He is maybe the sloppiest, dumpiest <laughs> Renfield I've ever seen. And Renfield's supposed to be a sloppy, gross guy. He eats bugs. He's crazy, foaming at the mouth, obsessed with the yeah. master. But Renfield has always been one of my favorite aspects of the Dracula story because he's like not really scary in terms of being dangerous. He's scary in terms of being a madman who has lost all control but, and is yeah, totally within the will of another. And it's like... He's an interesting character because he's like the guy who's in thrall to Dracula. Yes. Like, he doesn't have like the sex, same sort of sexual thrall, but he's got the same kind of like... Well, he wants to be... Well, it's like Austin yeah. Powers. Women want him and men want to be him. That's exactly. Dracula. Yeah. Dracula Powers. No, there's, the swinging there is 60s like a weird vampire kind spy. of like sexual element to it, but it's like, it's like this tr- sort of like twisted like... He kind of doesn't understand the thrall he's in. Yeah, but at the end, he's not necessary for the plot yeah. in almost any version of the story. It, he's like this added random chaos element who's just there mainly for atmosphere in a lot of ways and to show you how creepy Dracula is. Like, scenes, you don't need Dracula in a scene because Renfield is there and you're like, this guy's nuts. If the master is worse than this guy, oh boy, wouldn't want to be walking down a dark alley and meet this Dracula fella. <laughs> Uh, but Re- the Renfield it's in this is like... a pretty handy version of Dracula. <laughs> the Dracula in this... Oh, the Renfield in this reminded me, if you guys remember the character of Barf, the chef on... <laughs> you can't do that on television. <laughs> like, that's what this version of Renfield was. Yes. And then Barf the dog from Spaceballs. No, he does not have the dignity of... dude. He does not have the dignity of the Mog from Spaceballs. <laughs> he is the cook from, uh, from You Can't Do That Television who serves vomit to children. Well, but also this Renfield seems to be like blissed out in ecstasy the whole All time. The t- He's always wandering around, like just touching walls and looking at people, cutting his arms so that brides can suck his blood out. Mm-hmm. He yep. is cutting his arms so life, CGI guys. blood squirts out. <laughs> when he, you think about it, he's, he's got it pretty good. He yeah, is the he, least impressive. He, he, he goes to jail for a little while. He gets out of jail. Yeah, Dracula lets him out. But you're, you're kind of wondering, he's like, life. he chops Long Dick's head in half with a <laughs> fucking shovel. But you're wondering, why did Dracula let this guy out of jail? Because he doesn't seem to help him very no. much. He's just, like, would you want your, look, you're a suave count. Okay, maybe you look like a Russian Craig T. Nelson in this version. You're not the skabookiest, most charismatic Dracula. You live in a castle, hot and cold running babes. Why do you need this dumpy guy who looks like an out-of-work well, butcher walking around? <clears throat> Real talk. It's like, this is the guy, he should be in a Bucharest community theater production of Marty, not playing Renfield. The thing about Renfield is I like the idea that Dracula takes a human servant to do his bidding, and he kind of uses him up, and he slowly drives the guy crazy, and eventually he just discards him. Yeah. 
Uh, and this guy has been a turd the entire time. <laughs> well, but it's written on Renfield, discard to receive three mana of your choice. Oh, wow. It's pretty valuable. That's not bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's not like your most powerful card, but you're gonna if you're building a deck, you want it in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic, right. the Dracula. <laughs> so, uh, let's There was go. one other thing I want to say, and I forgot All what right. it was. Basically, this movie's not scary. We barely talked about the guy who played Dracula. That's he how little terrible. impression he made on us. Dracula is, I'm just going to say. He might be the worst Dracula I've ever seen. Oh, by far. <laughs> and, and, this, and this is counting the, uh, the George Blackula. Hamilton, the <laughs> Leslie Nielsen versions, Blackula, which is not a good movie. <laughs> Dracula from Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good Dracula. That's a pretty yeah. good Dracula. I mean, he's Dracula's taken down by good. a bunch of kids, which is lame. But but Dracula is one of the most... He calls in- a little girl a bitch. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> Yeah, that's like, awesome. He's one of the most enduring characters in literature. Like, he's one of the most charismatic characters, mm-hmm. I would say, in literature. Considering he doesn't appear that much in the book named after him. You know, he's, he's off stage for most of it. But... What, didn't Rutger Hauer play Dracula in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Did, uh, did he play it? No, I'm thinking he of... He played, like, the. I think the master was his official... Oh, uh, we know what that's subtext for. All right. I, I wish, mean, he was a vampire. I must, that could. must have been why he had a, a tough time killing Dracula in this one. Yeah, because he, he's like, oh, it's he's, me. I'm looking at a mirror. <laughs> We're not so different, you and I. Why couldn't they have gotten, like, it, like Udo Kier to reprise his role of Dracula? Yeah. From Blood for Dracula. But anyway, here's the important thing. They take the, one of the most interesting characters in, movie, in film or literature, and they just kind of throw them away. It's like the, in the Dracula movie, Dracula was the last thing they worried about. They're like, let's just get some dude. We'll turn him into a bunch of flies or wolves or whatever. Yeah. But let's uh, go to Final Judgments. This is, uh, is this movie... Oh, hold on. I almost, I almost forgot our, to- our Shocktober categories. Yeah, How could somebody it, forget this? Is, is it vitally scaring? <laughs> this movie? Is it shockily stupefying? <laughs> no. Or is it... Eerily good Vlad. Was this movie totally <laughs> good Vlad? <laughs> yeah, good Vlad. <laughs> totally scarifying, totally snorifying, or frighteningly funny. Yeah, uh, Stuart, you want to take this one? Uh, Dan I'm just watching Dan try to sneeze. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with Dan. Making a face. Try not to sneeze. Uh. Okay, success. <laughs> Dan's uh, head explodes. Ah, <laughs> scanners! <laughs> Ellie, why'd you do that? Um, so we are going to say, we, the collective we, I'm going to say this is almost a good, bad movie. It's really stupid. Well, that's not one of the options in October. Wait, frighteningly funny with it. With that uh, yeah, I'd say frighteningly funny. It's a good one to watch with some pals and pop some corn, see some boobs. I would say it's a good one to watch with pals if you ride the fast forward button a little. It's at times totally snorifying, but then you see a big praying mantis stab a guy with it its claws. It does have the slowest, stupidest climax. Yeah. Yes. But the climax was more fun than a lot of the, like, sitting around watching characters talk about nothing, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah, it goes back There's a lot of scenes like, with Lucy Like, you know, a couple episodes of S- Seinfeld or something. <laughs> now, what if Seinfeld was about Dracula? But yeah, it's back and forth between snorfine <clears throat> and what frightening. if Seinfeld was about Dracula? <laughs> I think come on, do, do a bit something. One like thing this. we realized while we were watching this movie, though, or at least I realized, Woody Allen wasted a huge opportunity yeah. by not doing a vampire movie. I can see an amazing Woody Allen '70s movie where he is like a nebbish who goes to do some work for a, like he's an accountant who goes to yeah. work for a vampire. He's and constantly, the sexy like nude vampirist. He's always his, he's always trying to get the sexy vamp, bride of vampire a vampire bride into bed, and he but he's a nervous guy. Eventually, he gets bit, and he's like this nervous, nebbishy uh, vampire who like slathers sunscreen all over his body or mm-hmm. things like that. There's a lot of funny jokes in there. Woody, why did you have to make you know uh, 
interiors. Sleeper. You could have made this Dracula movie. Count Dorothy. Sleeper is pretty good. Sleeper's all right. Yeah, but I, I feel like those would have been the two scripts he had, either Count Dorkula or Sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And don't do not tell me they might he might as well just made Fearless Vampire Killers. That is not a funny movie. No. It's an interesting movie. It's the interesting. tone is interesting. Yeah. But that's what I'll say about that. Um so uh before we move on to um our letters. letters okay. We got a few matters of business to take care of. Housekeeping, if you will. Yeah, number one, I'd like house to say... House cat... Flop housekeeping. The, Wait, what? <laughs> I was going to say house cat keeping. <laughs> that would then be I weird. Then it to flop housekeeping. Okay, that's better. The flop house is honored to be uh, part of the opening night of New York Podfest 2015. Ooh. Wow. On January 9th at the Bell House in Brooklyn, New York. The uh, festival will kick off with the Risk Podcast which is also from the Maximum Fun Network, hosted by Kevin Allison of the state. That will be at 8 p.m. And then the Flop House, that's us, goes up hey, at you 10 mentioned p.m. Her name. 10 p.m. Friday, January 9th at the yeah. Bell House. And tickets for our show are 10 bucks. 10 bucks? Like you got to make your bucks. own money out of metal? 10 bucks. Thank you. And if you want to make it a whole night and see Risk, that'll cost you another 12 bucks. And we don't go on until 10, so you we, have plenty of time to get out of work. Have a couple of beers, we get shit faced, and then 10. get mad at us for fucking up stuff. Now, yeah, here's dude. the thing I'm going to say about this: most Flophouse live shows, in fact, all of them, mm. have involved us seeing a movie and we riff on it before a live crowd. That's not what we're doing. This will, for the no. first time ever, we will be recording an episode of the Flophouse in front of a live audience, doing the same bullshit that you're listening to right now. But, but you'll see us. People. You'll see our dumb faces while we do it. Yeah. And if you're a listener at home, you're going to hear it sometime because we're going to record it and put it up on don't, the air. Don't, no, no. And you're going to be like, don't, oh, man, I wish I was there. Tell, don't tell them that. They got to buy a ticket. Oh, yeah. You got to buy a ticket, too. Yeah. Just buy a ticket uh, anyway. If, if you don't, if you listen to it at home, you're not going to get a chance to ask a question live yeah, that's of true. the Flophouse host. You can interact with us live. From New York, <laughs> it's the, the Flop House, starring me, the late Don Pardo, <laughs> as a go 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 ghost. Wait, is that bad taste? Yeah, musical <laughs> guest, also me, playing the harp of an angel, because I'm dead now. Terrible. Or playing uh, some skeletons, uh, like a chest, <laughs> like a telephone. <laughs> it's like that one Disney cartoon. So Dan. the skeleton dance by Abba Iwerks. So, Dan, yeah. how do you get tickets to this amazing event, uh, this live recording you, of the Flophouse? Do you put 10 tin bucks in an <laughs> no. envelope and, and mail it somewhere? Yeah, are the no. tin tin bucks? <laughs> no. They have Snowy's face on them? <laughs> no. What you do, why don't you just go to our uh, website, flophousepodcast.com, and uh, I'll throw up a link there <laughs> for you to get tickets. I feel like tin tin bucks can only be redeemed for Nutella. Um <laughs> So, uh, and whatever the gel is he puts in his hair. Probably Nutella. <laughs> Next little bit of housekeeping. Uh, this episode's coming out. Wait, right. uh, Housekeeping. So, but remember, <laughs> let's just sum it up again. January 9th, Flophouse Podcast Live at the New York Podfest yeah. at the Bell House. Buy tickets online. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to sell PM a lot of tickets. for 10 bucks. 10 at 10. Leno yeah. at 10 mm-hmm. But um, So this episode's coming out right in the middle of Max Fun Week, a week-long celebration of Maximum Fun podcast with lots of ways for fans to get involved. So head over to MaximumFun.org to learn more about that. And as part of that, 
Mr. Stuart Wellington and I will be taking part in a Reddit AMA on Sunday the 19th. What does AMA stand for? Ask me anything. But there's two of us. Should yeah. it be AUA? Um, yeah, ask us anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I can't make it because I've got a life. No, but continue. Uh, yeah, it'll be on Sunday the 19th at 6.30 p.m. That's Eastern Time. Um, what, 3.30 Pacific. So check 11.30 p.m. London Time. And ask us anything. In Japan, you're asleep. Don't even get involved. And uh, That's the day after this podcast airs, yeah. Yes. And while we're on the subject, uh, we'd like to reiterate how glad we are to now be on the MaxFun Network with a lot of great shows. I've said before, Jordan Jesse Go. Judge was, John Hodgman. Was one of the things that inspired me to start producing a podcast yes judge john hodgman our friend and colleague uh has a his show with the max fun network if you like our show check out my brother my brother and me which i feel has a lot of kinship with the sort of show we do here uh there are a ton of great shows they talk about uh movies and stuff uh there's three dudes who... Uh, they talk about, like, Ninja Turtles? Oh, there's dudes, okay. There's three dudes yeah. who, like, theoretically are doing a show about one thing, but it's mostly about just nonsense. Okay. So, so three dudes will. make sense, but, like, three ninjas, for instance. If you like this podcast, well, don't necessarily go watch three ninjas. Well, what about three ninjas strike back? Kick the kickback. What about... God damn it, the kickback. <laughs> the Empire strikes back, the three ninjas kick back. It'd be weird mm-hmm. if it was the Empire kicks back. Mm-hmm. Would they like sidekicks, though, starring... Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't like that? Come on, John Brandis, Chuck Norris, Mr. Miyagi, right? He's in that? nonsense Probably. Question. Probably in it. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. It's either Mr. Miyagi or Dax Shepard. I don't remember. Um, Joel Grey, maybe? <laughs> I know. Uh, Burt Lancaster, is he in that? I know, Elliot, you've got a plug. So why don't you do that before I do my last little bit here? Okay, I'd like to plug a non-Flophouse thing, but it is kind of related in a way, but not really. Uh, I wrote an essay for a book called Never Can Say Goodbye, Writers on Their Unshakable Love for New York, edited by Sari Botton. And it's out in bookstores now where you can order it online. It's from Simon & Schuster. And it's ostensibly writers writing about New York and their feelings about it. But my essay, it's called City of Mundane Fantasy, and it is about... The things I imagined being a grown-up in New York would be like from the movies I watched as a kid. So basically like Muppets Take Manhattan, Gremlins 2, Ghostbusters, like what watching these as a kid made me think living life in New York as a grown-up would be and the reality when I got there. And I'm very proud of it, and uh, I hope everyone can buy a copy and enjoy it. It's called Never Can Say Goodbye, Writers on Their Unshakable Love for New York. Yeah. There are a lot of other big names who wrote in it, bigger names than me. That's why my name is not on the cover. But you won't mention them because this is because fuck podcast. those guys. Fuck it. Fuck those guys. Roasted. <laughs> um, but uh, last little bit of housekeeping. We have a winner for a contest seeking the new song of the autumn. It's called Rocket Crocodile and the World's Tomorrow. Uh, we'll be playing it as our outro music at the end of this very show. <gasps> congratulations. Yeah, congratulations to the winner, Jason McIsa. There Wait, were a lot. McIsaac. Sorry, I... Fucking like wrote a fucking typo into this. Congratulations <laughs> to the winner, Wait, Jason so, McIsaac. So your inability to pronounce things has now spread to your your <laughs> yeah, writing my typing as well. Fingers. <laughs> uh, no, congratulations, Jason McIsaac, for taking our ramblings. I wondered why you wrote me a top ten list the other day. <laughs> yeah, it's especially weird because the Daily Show doesn't do top ten lists. Sure, <laughs> but the, but they do do lists of precious metals. <laughs> do do. Wait, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hilarious. You got me. <laughs> 
but um, roasted. Wait, is tin even a precious metal? It's not that precious, but I guess you would, could buy it and sell it. You know, it's useful. I mean, it's sure. precious in that uh, Wes Anderson's. Sandals. It's precious in that it's based on the novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, Dan. So I love that laugh. <laughs> I love that laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is, so who was the contest winner, Dan? He said who twice. He's an owl. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. Dan is officially. I'll be. I'll write up this contract real quick. <laughs> Government I'm update now. your files on Dan McCoy, so it says species colon owl. I'm now owl magical. He is now Homo owlensis, the man owl. Hey, Sam McIsaac, for taking our ramblings. Thank you for turning them into a catchy pop song. Uh, he is very. At- Doing a great job. Very, they might be giantsy. Uh, I thought it was kind of it had like a flaming lips. Yeah, it feel. felt more flaming lipsy to me. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't like that shit. The flaming's lips. Uh, I mean, but oh. uh, check him out. He's at stupid Chewbacca on Twitter if you want to follow him. And there'll be a T-shirt coming his way. And he's given us a few choices of films to talk about. Awesome. Uh, on a future episode, so look for that soon. But, and uh, uh, all the all the other entries were really great. I was really really yeah. No, it was a lot of fun. Lot of I was a little partial listeners. to the uh, Castle Freak one, mm. uh, if only because it reminded me that my voice sounds awesome all the time. Yeah, and I like the one about me liking movies on planes, which came in a little too late to be on part of the official voting, but a lot of fun. Yeah. I liked the Rocket Crocodile one because it was my voice. Yeah, <laughs> and it you, won. You sound like Kermit when you're auto tuned, though. Great. Yeah. I, that would be fan- I would love not, it's not an like insult yeah. just, uh, as opposed to I always my- saw you more as a like a like a gonzo I mean personality wise yes gonzo all the way and he was my favorite as a kid but uh, voice wise I'm more like a mosquito trapped inside your ear that you can't get rid of <laughs> yeah. sort of a scooter uh, anyway let's not Whoa, say things we can't take back <laughs> So hey, you know who you are. You're the most boring, blandest <laughs> Muppet pre the Muppets movie. Pre Walter. Pre Walter. Uh, although you know what, as a kid, I thought of myself as a Gonzo, but I was probably Kermit. Um. So let's get on to letters from listeners. I was, I was really a Doctor Teeth. <laughs> I think of myself as more of a Zoot. <laughs> uh, letters. I was really more of a Fraggle. Yeah. Yeah. A dozer. Um, so, moving I was, on. I was more of a, more teasers. of a Skeksis. Mm-hmm. Again, my favorites. In Dark Crystal, Skeksis were the heroes as far as I'm concerned. So. I always preferred the more lizardy characters to the mammal characters. Sure. Just like I preferred the German dog in, uh, <laughs> all the in Call of the Wild. <laughs> so, we get letters from listeners. Oh, cool. And these are some and of we them. never get songs. Bum, ba, bum, ba, ba, da, bum, ba, bum. These are the letters of the Flophouse Files. The names have not been changed because no one is innocent. Mm-hmm. Watch now as we answer these letters. Ba, 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 ba. It's letter time. It's letter time at the Flophouse. Letter time for you and for me. What's that time again? It's letter time. Time for letters. Letters, can't you see? It's the time for letters. The time for betters. The time to unleash those fetters. For the letters. (laughs) It all becomes the same song eventually. (laughs) No regretters. You said a thousand typewriters to a thousand letter songs. They eventually all become the same letters. Letters and fetters. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this goes. Let's get those letters (laughs) tonight. 
Uh, this letter goes like this. Hi, Floppers. In honor of Elliot's new baby, I've composed a Thank series you. of questions for each of you relating to babies. Hmm. Elliot, would you consider your new baby more of a baby Herman, the titular baby from Baby's Day Out, or the zombie baby from Dead Alive? Uh, n- uh, he's just a normal baby. I don't know. I'm going to let him make his own choices in the world. All right. Fair enough. As long as he's not a baby Huey. Stuart, in a hypothetical situation where you sure. live... In a post-apocalyptic world with an awesome 80s soundtrack. That's kind of his life already. Yeah, yeah. And you could only have one sexy girlfriend named Baby. Who would you pick? Baby from Dirty Dancing? Baby from Sucker Punch? Or Baby from The Devil's Rejects? What about Baby from Baby Legend of the Lost Dinosaurs? That would be great. Although, I don't know if you could fit that baby dinosaur into some fishnets. (laughs) And like a spiked collar. (laughs) But that might deflect the bullets that the... That the poachers, the poachers are going to shoot at her. So answer the question. Uh, I would I would say baby from Dirty Dancing. I mean, I was always yeah. a pre-nose job Jennifer Grey guy. She's got mm. a certain charm. Oh, yeah. It's right in the That's nose. That's why she's the star of a major motion <laughs> the picture. The nose nose. I think, and, and she was one of my, probably my favorite part of uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, she's good in it. You know, you could uh, you, you could also do, with if it's pre-nose job, you put a scarf around her mouth and a fedora hat on, and it's like you're having <laughs> sex with Lady the Shadow. <laughs> it has to be Lady the Shadow? I can't just be having sex with the Shadow? <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. It's Lamontina Cranston, Lamont Cranston's sister. So, okay, okay last. <laughs> okay, pretend you're the Shadow. Not LaMartha. Wait. Wait, La wait, Martha? what's his last name? Cranston. <laughs> Cranston. Just like Brian Cranston, his son. Okay. A lot of people don't know that Brian Cranston's the son of the shadow. Did he inherit the psychic powers? Uh, yes, that's how he's convinced everyone he's a good actor. When are in they fact, psychic he's a bad powers? Actor. Whoa! I mean, like the he's one of the fifteen actors minds. you thought were great but are actually terrible. Uh, well, who are the others? I don't know. That's some kind of Buzz Buzzfeed article. Oh yeah, roasted Buzzfeed. You're burned. <laughs> burned. Not really. Right. Brian Cranston's really good. Anyway, uh, last question, Dan. If you were in charge of the remake of Bringing Up Baby. Who would you cast in the Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn parts? Also, what would you Catherine do to Heigl, Gerard Butler, modernize the script? <laughs> Explosion, CGI, and boobs would be expected. That's from Flapjack Riley. Um, <laughs> is it? Is wait? Is he like a pilot in the '30s movie? I think it's a lady, but I. I uh, she. They could be pilots in '30s movies. Yeah, with dude. Okay, I'm sorry. For Just look at sense. Amelia Earhart. Although modernizing a movie, I don't feel involves boobs. Here's the <laughs> boobs are like the titular baby. Kind of a dinosaur now. I think, no, no the baby the is a cheetah. In the right? seduction, yeah. In this, uh, he's a she's a leopard. Leopard. In this, in seduction cinema, it would be bringing up booby. Would be the like porn parody. Okay. Um, I would not remake bringing up baby because I don't care for it. We've talked about this before. To me, oh, overrated. The, yeah, it's an overrated film. The you best Cary Grant your favorite Howard Hawks movie, Monkey Business. No, I. <laughs> My favorite screwball Howard Hawks Cary Grant. Howard Hawks made is, screwballs. Is <laughs> as a ghost. His Girl Friday. His Girl Friday to me is His Girl Friday is almost amazing. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, you should remake that almost perfect movie. I mean, they've made remade his girl. Well, no, you know they remade never, Bringing Up Baby as Who's That Girl with Griffin Dunn and Madonna. And What's Up Doc is pretty much a remake of Bringing Up Baby. But uh, if I'm forced to recast Bringing Up Baby. Uh, I don't know. Carrie, uh, Carrie Grant will be George Clooney, and Catherine Hepburn will be I don't know, Christian Shaw. Let's let's do that. <laughs> Christian Shaw would be great. I, but and, I can see if there was a major motion picture, I could easily see it being Emma Stone in the Catherine Hepburn role, mm-hmm. and the Carrie Grant role. It'd probably be like like Shia LaBeouf or yeah. whatever, someone terrible. And the leopard will be a, a sassy robot. 
So now we're talking, so that it's is, like, that is up future. Space, baby. Yeah. yeah. Bringing up Space Baby. But what if it was Tom Hardy in the Cary Grant role? He can do comedy, right? And he's kind of short. I don't know. I saw This Means War. I, don't I mean, think he's he kind can. of funny in Bronson at times. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so this next letter goes like this. I'm honestly confused. Is David Mamet a very good or great playwright and screenwriter, but the worst director in the world? Or is the worst director Spike Lee and David Mamet just can't get people to talk, move, or Whoa. ape human be- behavior in any way? Regardless, he married Rebecca Pigeon, and that makes him a genius. Love, Trevor, middle name with Held Grimshaw. Now, come on. Spike Lee made uh, He's made the some right very thing, great movies. Which is an amazing movie. Do the Right Thing is a great movie. <clears throat> She's Got to Have It is a really good movie. Mm-hmm. He's made a number of really good movies. He Inside got, Man is a lot of fun. Inside Man's a really yeah, good movie. Yeah. He Got Game is a good movie. Mm-hmm. She Hate Me is a terrible movie. <laughs> He's done, he's done a lot of good work. So let's lay off Spike Lee. But it's not all the miracle at St. Anna. So yeah. it's time to trash David Mamet. I mean, David Mamet, I like a lot of his stuff, too. Tear him apart. Tear him a new one, Elliot. I don't know. There's a plenty of it. I, I mean, like the he, Spanish Prisoner, you know? He's made a lot of great movies. House he does have a very strange theory of acting where yes. he wants to, everyone He wants the to, least amount of acting possible. Yeah, like the most affectless. And the thing is, Except like, it becomes an effect eventually. Yeah. You become so monotone that it becomes... A flat distancing effect, right? And and also, I feel like his theory of what makes good acting in that way is dismantled by people who actually are good actors. Like you know, like Joe Mantegna when he's in those movies, is not listening to what David Mamet has to say about that. He's just doing his Joe Mantegna thing. Yeah, he's, he's Fat Tony all the way. You know, and I, he's and like David Mamet wrote the verdict, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a really good movie. Yeah. He's, I, but he's. I mean, he know, is a genius for marrying Rebecca Pigeon. How, how so? I find her very attractive. Yeah, but I mean, well, otherwise, so she's got. So he's got to put this not good actress in all his movies. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. Does it make you a genius for appreciating somebody's beauty? I would say that David Mamet is a crazy person. Yeah, it's one of the reasons his movie, even crazier. Lately. But like John Carpenter's made his share of crap, but he's also mm-hmm. made his share of great movies. You know, no one's a hundred percent except maybe mm, Stuart Gordon, maybe. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Except Stuart Gordon, yeah. Maybe Je- maybe Jean Vigo, who made only one feature-length film and a couple shorts. Like, yeah, it's, it's very tough. almost no directors or writers are one hundred percent. Yeah, it's hard to make a good thing, just one good thing. So if someone makes one good thing, we should appreciate them for that. Yeah. I feel like. And after watching Dario Argento's Dracula, I think we got a pretty good case that neither Spike Lee nor David Mamet are the worst director yeah. ever. But moving on. Uh, Adam Last Name Withheld writes, Greetings from the UK, or perhaps by you, the time you read this, the K, I think that's how it will work. Now no, don't worry. Scotland, Scotland decided not to secede. Um, after a long night of drinking warm beer and wearing a bowler hat, <laughs> I decided to listen to my favorite <laughs> podcast. 17 minutes in, Elliot says something very similar to a line I had read in The Big Sleep just hours before that set off a train of thought that eventually led to this question. Did Raymond Chandler rip me off? Yes. <laughs> Are there any characters from other media that you love so much no actor would ever be able to portray them well enough for your standards? Yeah, also, Abraham Lincoln, dude. Have you ever thought there was a character like that and been proven wrong? Love the podcast. You guys are my favorite bi-weekly event. That's Adam Last Name Withheld. Um, so you say Abe, Abe Lincoln. I mean, he's not a character. I'm the. I mean, Oh, like, he's a character. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> what with the rail splitting and I, the emancipation. I mean, that's... The guy's zany. I definitely have such a strong image he's of Abraham Lincoln ball. in my head that I think no performance is ever going to be yeah. quite what I'm looking for. But when it comes to, like, fictional characters, I don't know, there's probably, like, superhero characters or something that... If they ever made a movie of... 
The Man Who Was Thursday, yeah. which is one of my favorite books of all time. I think it, it'd be hard-pressed for them to find the right people for that. Now that Orson Welles is dead, because Orson Welles would have been perfect for the role of Sunday, the, uh, the mastermind criminal who is larger than life and just his very face frightens people with its, you know, with just the power inherent in it. It would be hard to find someone who can do that, but I don't yeah. see them ever making a movie of that, even though it would be great. I don't know that I have that sort of attachment to a particular character. Like, for instance, my, like the fictional character I feel like I might have the most attachment to is Sherlock Holmes. But I actually have, like, I mean, you know, I've enjoyed Jeremy Brett's Sherlock Holmes very much. Uh, more recently, I've enjoyed Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock Holmes. I don't have a, like, I haven't gotten angry. I mean, I have gotten angry at portrayals of Sherlock Holmes, but there are also good ones out there. Um, I have a lot of fondness for like the uh, Lewis Carroll's Alice books, but it's not like I've got a particular fondness for the character of Alice because there's not really no. a character there. It's more that I'm mad at uh, movies and, and, and well, shows trying to like capture that Well, it's the, in that place, the character that. is the world that yeah. it takes place in. Like even the Cheshire Cat, who's like a a popular character, like he doesn't have mm-hmm. doesn't do that much. He doesn't have much of a he has he has one characteristic basically. Right. Yeah, like but Boba nothing, Fett. Nothing for me has like yeah, like Boba Fett exactly. No adaptation has captured those books, but it's not a question of the character per se. Yeah, I think in my, well, Stuart, you answer, and then I was going to say something about the reverse. Oh, I actually think it's funny. Like I would say the the character or like relationship that. Uh, that I feel very close to is um, is Jack Aubrey and Stephen Maturin in the uh, mm. Patrick O'Brien novels. But I actually think the the movie did a good enough job that it. I mean, I kind of. I guess I kind of went in there not like not holding it as a sacred cow, and I thought it they did well enough that I don't really care. I'll think of one, Stuart. Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, I think yeah. your connection to that will make it very hard for any well, portrayal. But that's up. the entire thing. Like it's yeah. something I know that there's nothing this TV show can do to make me like it. <laughs> like I've read those books way too many times, and it's I, I I don't need a Cliff Notes version. I'll tell you one where it's kind of the reverse is the is the Thin Man. Speaking of not Raymond Chandler, but Raymond Chandler like Dashiell Hammett. Yeah. That I saw the movie before I ever read the book. I love the movie so much. Nick Charles is maybe my favorite, particularly that that performance of him, my favorite fictional character ever. And I read the book, and the book was too different a character, and I couldn't accept it. It was like, yeah. to me, this is the, William Powell is Nick Charles, and the version of the book is much nastier. Him, he and his wife are mean to each other. They're really much drinkier, and it was, I couldn't handle it. Drinkier than the movie? Wow. Well, because in the movie, they're like, like, they're like pretty, he's a fun drunk. Yeah, and fun in the drunks. book, they're always drinking, but in a way that makes them like snipe at each other. You know, it feels much more like a crutch. More yeah. like an Andy Cap sort of fellow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Always, Nora's uh, always kicking him out, hitting him with a rolling there's pin. There's a rolling pin always hovering just behind his head. <laughs> sure. It's like a guillotine. But like, if there was ever like a movie version of like Peanuts or something like that, I could see being unhappy with it. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's the terrible. TV specials, but, you know. Um, but last letter, this is a handwritten note. It says, I have your wife. <laughs> <laughs> it goes like this. Dear Peaches, I wanted to thank you for the many hours of delightful entertainment. Please find enclosed a hat for Dan, a beer cozy for Stuart, and a tiny hat for Elliot or his new newborn son. If you guys have any other knitted miscellany, Ding dong, cozy, cozies, etc. Let me know if you guys need any more. Sorry, knitted miscellany. 
Hervon Purbazoids. Kitty last name withheld. P.S. I'm watching Great Bikini Off-Road Adventure at the moment. It's everything you said it would be. <laughs> but um, I don't yeah. know what a girl would get out of that movie. Uh, I think of all people, Kitty well, would Kitty get might, yeah. something. Kitty is a regular commenter on the Facebook page. And, and is delightfully a, sexed. Brings a lot of life and pervosity to it. Thank you very much for the hats. Yeah, we uh, yeah we and were and my knitted, beer hat, <laughs> your knitted uh, materials. It's, it's a hat for my beer's and bottom. Sammy looks super cute in your hat. Yeah, I I have to report with sadness that my wife looks much cuter in the hat that you knitted than I do. Mm-hmm. But that's probably just I mean, true in life. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, shouldn't that make you happy that your wife looks cuter yeah, no, than it's you? Fine. Yeah, well, I'll take. I it. don't. I hate to break it to you, Dan. What your wife is cuter than you. Yeah. I'm assuming she looks better in most articles of clothing in than you pretty do. much anything. I mean, or nothing you're at all. Gentlemen. Wow. I mean, you're, I figured you'd I thought you were a gentleman. Of his own medicine. Okay. Until you said that. I'm giving you a taste of your Hoisted medicine. Hoisted by his own butt tart. I really <laughs> I really genuinely don't care. I appreciate your appreciation. Anyway, uh, the way you uh, say I don't care makes it weird. Now you made me feel really gross. No, it's fine. <laughs> this was supposed to be you were supposed to be mad and then <laughs> Not instead mad. You were too open and available. I'm, I'm glad that you feel that way. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, let's stop. Thanks, everybody. Stop. I don't like <laughs> it. Good this, work. This became like the scene in computer chess where the that swinger couple tries to get the one chess player to have sex with them, mm-hmm. and I don't like that. Uh, but now that the letters section has been put to bed, if you will... Now we move on. Now that we tucked it into he an envelope. He stared right at you when he said put to bed, too. Because I, I put a baby to bed? Wink. Now that we've tucked the letters into their matchbox bed <laughs> and blown out the birthday candle they use as a light. Uh, the letters are a mouse, I guess, in this scenario. Five head. It's time for us five to recommend uh, a movie that we actually liked. And it being Shocktober, if we can, horror or scary movies. Might be the order of the day. Well, here's one. I'm going to recommend a movie <laughs> called Scary Movie. It is a scary movie. No, it's not. No kidding. I've seen that. It no, that's not what I'm going to recommend. Who wants to go first? Uh, you started okay. talking. Okay. Uh, well, I think I'll do you one better. Not just a horror movie, but a vampire movie, since the movie we watched today is was about Doss a vampire in Brooklyn? It is not a vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> Neither is it a tree grows in Brooklyn or a vampire tree grows in Brooklyn. Is it innocent blood? <laughs> no. Is it? Keep em- asking. Keep embrace guessing. Embrace of the vampire. It is not that. It's not vampire's kiss. It's none of those things. Uh, it's not a movie about like a Chinese vampire who hops around and sure, counts a rice. Sure, uh, Instead, I want to recommend a movie called Shadow of the Vampire, which people may have seen with John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe. And it's the movie in which... John Malkovich plays F.W. Murnau, making, uh, yeah, it's Murnau, right? Yeah. Who made Nosferatu? Yep. Yeah. Uh, making Nosferatu, and they have hired uh, Willem Dafoe, who is an actual vampire, to play Count Orlock, the vampire in the film. Uh, and it's a surprisingly creepy movie that is also a surprisingly funny but also sad look at, like, behind the scenes of a movie and also how depressing it would be to be a vampire shut up in a in a castle like we were you i'm not a fan of the vampire as like tragic romantic hero but there is something about the tragedy of outliving everyone and being an outcast that this that is genuinely it's a sad curse. it's a curse yeah, yeah it's not just the gift of eternal life it's also a curse and this is a movie that i remember when i first saw it in the theaters which yeesh 14 years ago i didn't realize it was long ago the uh it was. I was surprised at how far it went with its premise, and kind of that it 
it wasn't afraid to follow that story where it most plausibly would lead in terms of a man who's so obsessed with making a movie that he doesn't mind that his star is eating people and a star who is a vampire and is driven to feast on the people that he's working with. So 14 years ago, would you even have been able to get in that movie? Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. Did you have I to was, take off your beanie I with a propeller 19, on it? I was 18, 19 years in? old. Yeah, I had to stand on my friend's shoulders and we put a trench coat around us. I was in college, Stuart. But uh, Shadow of the Vampire. Real Doogie Howser over here, I guess. It's a movie that uh, has kind of uh, fallen by the wayside, and I'd like to recommend it. I think it's a good vampire movie. Uh, I would like to recommend... A movie that I rewatched recently uh, by a unknown filmmaker by the name of Steven Spielberg, <laughs> <laughs> and it is called Duel. Um, one of his very earliest uh, movies. It was made for television, but released uh, theatrical, theatrically in a slightly longer version. Um, it's a Richard Matheson's scripted film about a mild-mannered man. Uh, played by Dennis Weaver, who is, is um, driving along a abandoned uh, desert road and gets into a battle with a unseen truck driver of a very scary, rusty, smoky truck that tries to kill him, basically, over the course of uh, his trip. And what really struck me rewatching it recently is how... Even like that early in Spielberg's career, like really like one of the very first feature length things he did. I think he did one earlier thing that was a feature length for television uh, movie. Just how skilled he was, particularly in the um, sound design of the movie. There was uh, the sound design of this film with like what's going on inside the car, what's going on outside the car. The kind of um, what's on the radio in the car and the way that kind of provides a counterpoint to the tension of the film. Um, the fact that the movie takes about half an hour before the music ever kicks in. Um, and then when it kicks in, that actually means something that the score is happening. Like it's it's a, it's a pretty amazing film on that technical level. And it also does some amazing things just like this is a film that basically just has one guy in it as the focus of it in a limited um, location inside this car. Um, And you've got him interacting with people at different times in the movie and you've got some voiceover. But mostly it's just like a very limited uh, amount of resources that Spielberg has to yeah, re- work with. Restricted point of view. Yeah, but it it provides so much tension over the course of the film. It's just a, it's an amazing. Uh, I wouldn't say debut because it wasn't really his debut, but like it's a dry run for the sort of thing that happens in Jaws. And as Spielberg later said in his career, like it's a lot harder eliciting fear from a truck than it is from a shark. And uh, it's impressive what he was able to do with all that. So, uh, duel. Nick Garris and Stephen King, yeah, would say otherwise. A little, I guess just a little film King. called Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> it looks a little film called Max Fun Overdrive <laughs> with a with a green goblin of a truck and a soda machine that shoots a guy in the balls with a soda can. But I recommend played straight, not duel. for laughs at all. <laughs> not a funny scene. Think about it, if that happened to you, you would not be laughing. Oh, no, you would be in serious pain. You'd have. <laughs> Liquefied testicles, yeah. <laughs> right? 
Uh, I don't know. Be liquefied. I don't really know that would hit you that hard. Okay, so so thanks, Dan, for selling us on Steven Spielberg. Well, but Duel is a pretty little seen movie, even even now. It's more more known than it is seen. Yeah. So to continue this theme of cars, (laughs) and I don't. That was just me. (laughs) My movie. I guess they drive a car to get to the castle. That's the thing. Uh, (laughs) And. Rugger Hauer movies. Um, uh, I'm going to recommend <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why the why you need Go to stretch on. so hard for, this, for your segue theme. I'm but. going to recommend a movie called Castle Break, which is <laughs> neither Cars nor Rugger Hauer. Speaking there's of, tons of cars in Castle Freak, bro. That's what it's known for. And you might say that Rutger Hauer's spirit hovers over the film. <laughs> uh, I'm going to recommend a movie from 1986 called The Hitcher. Ah, oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, starring C. Thomas Howell. Soul Man himself. <laughs> That's you right. I know him from Soul Man. Society himself, C. Thomas Howell. <laughs> um, and he is <laughs> son of, of Mr. Howell, the millionaire. Oh, who died on that deserted <laughs> island. Uh, Tragic. And this is also and, a somewhat... And, oh, wait, you, and, got, you got uh, more jokes? You got, <laughs> the real-life okay. subject of the film, The Howling. <laughs> Guy who turns into C. Thomas Howell. At night, he's bitten by a C. Thomas Howell, and when the moon is full, he turns into C. Thomas Howell. Yeah. Go on, Stuart. (laughs) The Howling Four. My sister is in blackface. Uh. The only thing I remember about that movie is <laughs> there was a there was an ad for it uh, where there's a joke about how he's in blackface, but he has a white man he has a white penis, and some guy sees him peeing in a urinal, mm. and he explains that sometimes it happens like that. And as a even as a kid, I'm like, this is a bad taste. <laughs> I'm not gonna watch this. I'm, movie. I'm uncomfortable. Like James Earl Jones, why are you in this? <laughs> Um, and so the um, uh, premise of the movie is a young man is driving a car, uh, I, I believe across Route 66, and he Getting kicks. runs a foul from a mysterious a stranger. <laughs> yeah, he runs a foul restaurant. It's called, okay. uh, and he, called Rutgers Chicken Shack. Oh, C. Thomas Howell's Chicken Shack. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so he runs a foul of a hitchhiker, played by Rugger Hauer. Uh, and I almost said Rugger Howell. Let me finish this recommendation. <laughs> Rugger <quick>. Howell. <laughs> uh, where the uh, you quickly realize there's something off with this hitchhiker, and the hitchhiker attempts to kill him. Yeah, and you, then, you realize it's Rutger Hauer, which yeah. means he's crazy. And he's super intense the entire movie, and the entire movie is basically one long mm-hmm. chase. And you had a young Jennifer Jason Lee in the young mix. Young Jennifer Jason Lee in the mix. Um, and it's a very intense movie. And it's a movie about a normal guy being pushed uh, too far, and to it's 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 very gory, um, and it's a very tense movie without a lot of characters, and I think it's great, and it's much better than the uh, the remake where Sean Bean played the hitcher role, and I think he like shoots a uh, shoots a helicopter out of the sky with a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> so don't watch that. Watch the original. Uh, and the movie was directed by a guy who was like his second movie, and he went on to do basically like he went on to be a like a working director, but they're all like Tom Selleck starring TV movies. And it's a, and the, I just remember the hitcher yeah, those Jesse Stone series. all the Jesse Stone movies. Nice. <laughs> I guess he's a cop or something. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Just the box art. Yeah. yeah. 
Detective All the Quigley Down Under movies. <laughs> yeah. He did not draw Quigley Down Under. <laughs> Quigley series. <laughs> now, there's Quigley, Quigley Down, Down Under. Under. There was Quigley in uh, Quigley at the, ce- at the center of the earth. <laughs> yeah, Quigley in the mummy's tomb. Quigley goes to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Quigley in the time of the dinosaurs. <laughs> Quigley Under the Rainbow. Yeah, Quigley meets Mr. Baseball. <laughs> It was a Tom Selleck sort of horse. Yeah. There's a lot of digital effects. Yeah, three men and a Quigley. (laughs) (laughs) Quigley eats the... Get what? I don't know where you're going. You're going to say the moon again. You're going to say... say, I was going to say the moon again. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. Well, it's made of cheese, I guess. And Quigley's like cheese. <laughs> it's funny, that's his character. He loves Wait, cheese. Wait, hold on, hold on. Let me. The talented Mister Quigley. There you go. Thank You're you. gonna say Magnum PQ. The Q standing for Quigley, of yeah, course. Private Magnum Quigley. PDQ Buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, another Shocktober limps to a weird end. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a real thing. So a person okay. once told me that uh, at the beginning of every October, she prays that she'll see a ghost. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember who said that. Well, that but was every October, I begin the month by praying I'm going to see an actual good horror movie on the Flophouse. Yeah. Has it happened? Hasn't happened yet. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> hardly ever. But what, never? No, never. <laughs> Hard, well, hardly ever. There's hardly ever good you're horror forced, movie on the Flophouse. <laughs> Um, give three t- yeah, sorry. Well, maybe next year. Maybe next year, guys. Okay, yeah. so stay tuned for the song of the autumn. Put a, put a fucking put a tooth under your pillow. <laughs> Does it have to be one of mine? Because I need mine. <laughs> maybe Can we'll I be, to get someone else's well, tooth? Maybe we'll be rewarded with a good. That's why you got a baby, year. right? That's basically a tooth yeah, factory. Yeah, and in his mouth, no teeth. Thanks tooth. for nothing. <laughs> That's I, every day. Baby. I look in there and I start tapping around <laughs> looking for teeth. Nothing. <laughs> I put a lot of money into this kid. I'm getting no teeth out. All right. Well, on that very weird note. On that very weird note, let me just say, do not mail us your teeth. <laughs> Stay tuned for the new song of the autumn. I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. I am proud to be Elliot Kalen. Good night, everyone. So sad sounding. <laughs> Let's move on to okay, what's next? Uh, recommendations. Movies that you uh, may have seen recently. You Can we recommend movies we haven't seen? Yes. Uh, in which case, I'd like to recommend that, it's called Rocket Crocodile in the World of Tomorrow. It's a movie that doesn't exist, and I'm making it up as I go along. I think I've seen this movie in my dreams. <laughs> I'm giving it five out of five amazings. It involves a crocodile astronaut falls through a time machine warp and becomes a rock star in the world of the future which also has dinosaurs and Gina Gershon is nude in like every scene Rocket Crocodile in the World of Tomorrow it's a movie that doesn't exist and I'm making it up as I go along I think I've seen this movie in my dreams <laughs> I'm giving it 5 out of 5 amazing you're thinking of The Devil Wears Nada I thought I was thinking of the Invisible Maniac again. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but he kills a guy with a submarine sandwich. I'm just going to sign off. No, no, I got a recommendation to make. A real one? Sure. It's called Rocket Crocodile Goes to the Past. It's a movie that doesn't exist, and I'm making it up as I go along. 
I think I've seen this movie in my dreams. <laughs> I'm giving it five out of five amazings. Rock the Crocodile has to go to the 50s to get his parents together, because otherwise he won't be born. He has to stop the clothing bandit who's stealing clothing from all the beautiful women in the world. Soundtrack by uh, Talking Heads and Danzig. Glenn Danzig and David Byrne finally working together. Did I mention that Rocket Crocodile's sidekick is a wisecracking zebra? No. And he's a girl. Rocket Crocodile in the World of Tomorrow. It's a movie that doesn't exist, and I'm making it up as I go along. I think I've seen this movie in my dreams. <laughs> I'm giving it five out of five amazings.